Hello, everybody, and welcome. You are listening to Inside the Glass, the podca- only podcast dedicated from the University of Arizona, talking to you about the greatest sport on this planet, and that is hockey. Hello, everybody. My name is Rob Leonio, alongside All Sports Tucson hockey writer Eric Clark, here to talk to you about the upcoming hockey playoff season. It's the best season there is glad to have you back here with us eric yeah great to be uh the co-host for this show you know it'll be a good show be all about the push to the playoffs uh for the ahl and the nhl it should be really interesting especially considering that uh tucson should be making its first ever playoff appearance while um in tucson you know last time that they made it they were still in springfield but um it's gonna be good we're gonna get uh playoff hockey here in tucson that's going to be one of the most exciting things. I was listening to Tom Callahan for that, and I was like, Ooh, here we go. And I had the, right, I had the article ready. I was like, let's get this published. Um, yeah. I'm a little bit behind, you know. I was uh, eating too much lamb and uh, enjoying the Easter dinner yesterday, but I'll, uh, I'll get that out today about the uh, Roadrunners finally clinching a playoff spot. Hard to believe it took them that long to clinch a playoff spot, eh? When, when you had a team that was as good as the Roadrunners this year and, is, and in the Pacific Division, when they had – it locked up literally all season long. Yeah, you're right. It, it was it was surprising. Well, you knew that they were going to make the playoffs like pretty much since December, yeah, I'd say, because oh, yeah. they've had a lock on that uh, first place slot in the Pacific for a long time, and they just had so many teams behind them um, that it would have taken a catastrophic failure, you know, a uh, collapse comparable to what you saw last season, you know, losing. I think they lost like 20 of 23 down the stretch last year to uh, drop out. It was something ridiculous like that. And, um, yeah, they're pretty much going to make it, barring anything uh, ridiculous like you saw last season. But um, great to see that they got in. Yeah, we're going to probably talk more about that later in this podcast because we're going to start off with the National Hockey League and everything going on in there. Right now, uh, there are a few teams who have already clinched it uh, over in the Eastern Conference. Let's start off with the... uh, Washington Capitals and that in the rest of the Metropolitan. Washington just yesterday clinched the Metropolitan Division. In Ovi's um, thousandth, thousandth game, 1,000 games for Alex Ovechkin, zero Stanley Cups, several Rocket Richard trophies to his uh, credit, a couple of heart trophies, but uh, he still hasn't taken home the most prestigious hardware in the sport. It'll be good to see if he can uh, finally get that done this year. It will very be <laughs> very good to see it again. Um I, re- I mean, I part of me really wants him to win something eventually. Oh, yeah. like he's like he's been going for so long, and then like he's been like pretty much like like getting his ass kicked by Sidney Crosby every year, unfortunately. Um, but it's not always his fault, though. You know, last year and especially the year before that, he was always um, one of the best players on the Capitals roster in the playoffs. You know, um, it was just his teammates that couldn't get it done. You know, there's 23 guys on an NHL roster on any given night, and you can't rely on one of them to get you in and get you past um, your opponents in every round of the playoffs, and that's kind of what you've seen happen with uh, the Washington Capitals. You know, Pittsburgh, they've got the best one-two punch in the league they have for uh, over 10 seasons now, you know, with Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby as those line one, line two centers. So, um We'll, uh, we'll have to see how Washington stacks up against Pittsburgh in round two. I bet you that's what you're going to see again this year. 
because uh, Pittsburgh's clinched also with uh, 96 points, and they're likely going to be the second seed in the Metro. But Columbus is just behind with one game in hand and 94 points to, 90, to Pittsburgh's 96. So you easily could see Columbus getting home ice in that uh, first-round matchup in the Metro. But um, we'll see what happens. I love how it's just like pretty much a mirror, almost a mirror image of the Metropolitan last year. Absolutely. But the exception is, I'd say, is the Metropolitan isn't as stacked in terms of talent-wise this year than they were last. Um, unless you have a different opinion. No, no, I absolutely agree. Um, the Metro hasn't been as good this year because both Pittsburgh and Washington lost a lot of guys in the offseason. You know, Washington had all those cap issues. You know, they had to get rid of a lot of guys. You know, people like Justin Williams. Um, who else did they have to lose? Did they lose Carl Alsner also? Um, or is he still on there? I think, no, they resigned. No, they did they resign Carl Alsner. Who did they lose? They lost a couple of guys on the blue line from what I remember. I but, know they uh, lost Shattenkirk. Shattenkirk, yeah, that's that was the big one that they lost. But he didn't do much for them after they uh, acquired him at the deadline, you know? Yeah. That was uh, Washington's all-in move last year at the deadline, and um, it didn't pay off for them at all. But uh, we'll see what the Caps can do this year. Honestly, I think that as of today, you've got four teams that have a legitimate shot of winning the Stanley Cup. That's usually how it is every year. But um, – You've got two coming out of the Atlantic division in the East, Boston and Tampa Bay. Those are by far the best two teams in the, in the Eastern conference this year. Um, Even though Boston's ahead in the standings, I think that Boston's a better regular season team than uh, Tampa is, but I think Tampa's more built for uh, the playoffs just because their uh, blue line is so much better than uh, Boston's, you know, Um, I, Boston's a team that wins a lot of games, like a lot of 7-4 hockey games, you know, like really high scoring. You know, they just blow their opponents out of the water with uh, their offensive skill and their uh, ability to put the puck in the back of the net. But um, as we all know, the old cliche uh, saying goes, uh, it's defense that wins championships. And uh, Boston's top two defensemen this year are Charlie McAvoy, an inexperienced youngster, and then uh, Zdeno Chara, a uh, great number one defensive defenseman um, that's at, in the twilight of his career. I don't know if you agree with me there, Rob, but. I know I, I, I'd, I'd agree with you on there. I mean, like, you know, I'm not entirely sure about Boston, the rest of Boston. I haven't got a chance to see, though, like, everything from them. So I can't 100% agree with you. Right. But um, I can see what you're getting there. Well, as a. Eastern Conference fan, you know, I'm a a Detroit Red Wings fan. I watch a lot of Eastern Conference hockey. I watch a lot of Atlantic Division hockey. And uh, that's kind of my opinion there. You know, I know Tampa Bay's been in the slump this year. I mean, at the end of this year. Um, But I think they'll be able to turn it around in the playoffs. The playoffs, as you know, are just a whole different animal from the regular season. And you can't um, expect... Uh, everything from the regular season to carry over into the playoffs. You know, just look at Washington over the past couple of years. Well, the funny thing is, um, I remember, I, I don't know where I heard it, but I heard this one person say that there were four seasons in hockey. You got the preseason, the regular season, the first three rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and the Cup final. 
Like they're all like at their own seasons in its own mind. Like it's like where they're just completely different. I mean, and that's where playoff experience really factors in. You know, as a fan of the Red Wings, I saw them fall from grace. You know, when when I was growing up as a fan, you know, I was born in 97. So I really started watching hockey right around 02, 03. And then uh, all the way through 08, 09, when the Red Wings were really at the height of their power, you know, uh, consistently among the top contenders in the league. And I saw them fall from that down to what they were towards the end of the playoff streak. And even when they were like a seven or an eight seed, the Red Wings playoff experience, you know, from guys like Pavel Datsuk, you know, Nick Lidstrom, Henrik Zetterberg, um, Johan Franz and whoever, it always really paid off whenever they would play, whenever they would play teams in early rounds, you know, like I remember back in 2013, they, um, they beat Anaheim in the first round. Anaheim was the second seed in the West. And then they nearly knocked Chicago out in uh, the second round. Chicago was the, um, the president's trophy winner that year. And uh, it was all just Detroit's playoff experience. They really just knew how to get it done in the playoffs. And you can't uh, discount that. That's why you can't count Pittsburgh out this year. I know that they only have 96 points right now. They might barely crack 100 points. If they lose their remaining two games, they're not going to crack 100 points. If they win their remaining two games, they will, but from guys like Malkin, guys like Crosby, um, you really, you really can't underestimate their ability to win playoff series because they've just been there. They've they've done that, and um, it's yeah, you just can't count them out. Absolutely, and I think um, what's interesting, what I kind of really want to see is I want to see what, what really Toronto can do. They're like. The youth of them is like, like I mean, this is the team that took last year Washington to seven. Like, I think it was six actually. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it but was a six, couple but, of those games but, were in like, OT. Yeah, though. OT it was a, games. It was a close like, yeah, like that. Like they, they did. They really hung it in there well. Um, and a lot of teams can't handle their speed because of how young of a team they are, you know, having guys like William Nylander, Austin Matthews, uh, Mitch Marner, guys like that up front. Now they finally have great veteran presence from uh, Patrick Marlowe, one of your your favorites of all time, I I assume. And um, they'll be dangerous, but I still think that Boston and Tampa Bay are much better teams, and I have mm-hmm. a hard time seeing Toronto being able to get four wins in a playoff series against either Tampa or Boston, you know, especially with the, with their blue line, their blue line's been bad all year. That's oh, that's been the weak point of Toronto since last year when they qualified for the playoffs for the first time with uh, Austin Matthews. I mean, I, I just don't know if you can win the cup or go on a deep run when you have like a, a Ron Hainsey as your number one defenseman. Yeah, yeah I totally, I, I totally get that. But I think that's the, let's go ahead and move on and take a look at uh, who's like in the hunt over in the wild card spot right now. It's um, really just Florida that hasn't been eliminated. That's on the uh, outside looking in. And I was listening to NHL uh, Network Radio on the way in from Phoenix this morning. I uh, just drove down here a, uh, a few minutes ago. They were saying that uh, Florida really needs a lot of help. They really it really would take a miracle for Florida to knock either. New Jersey or Philadelphia out. Those are the two teams holding the wild card spot as of right now. Um, and they were saying that uh, Florida's chances are like something like 16% to make the playoffs. I, um, 
and I just don't see that happening, you know? Yeah, it's a very tough, it's a very tough road for them, because what I've noticed is both New Jersey and Philadelphia have had pretty good seasons, in com- like, comparable to the last two prior to that. Um, I think what, I mean, they, they both had pretty decent additions. I think, what, New Jersey finally got a full season with Taylor Hall. They did. And, like, and I mean, he definitely was a good contributor this year. And let's not forget that uh, New Jersey and Philadelphia were the two teams that won in the draft lottery last That's year. That's right. You know, uh, New Jersey drafted number one overall, Nico Heeshier, and then uh, Philadelphia drafted uh, Noam Patrick number two overall. And uh, I was watching Philly play Boston yesterday on uh, Easter Sunday. That was the uh, the morning matchup on uh, NBC. And uh, Philadelphia looked really good, you know, playing against Boston, one of the top teams in the league, as, uh, as we were saying earlier. Uh, Nolan Patrick had a goal. Uh, Claude Giroux got the game winner. Um, just the biggest question mark with Philadelphia, as always, is their goaltending. You never know what you're going to get. Um, I've always been a big Peter Morazic guy, but the thing with Peter Morazic is when he's on his game, when he's playing well, he's one of the best goalies in the league. But um, when he's off, he's off. He's just not looking mm-hmm. good, you know. And um, he let that game go to OT, honestly. Peter Mrazek, uh, Boston scored with, what, like 3.8 seconds left yesterday to uh, send it into overtime. I know that Philly eventually got the W, but um, when you see teams doing stuff like that in the regular season, that isn't extremely confidence-inspiring for their uh, performance in the playoffs. I don't know about you. No, yeah, I I can see where you're going on that one. Um, Let's see, though. Yeah, Florida's got two games in hand over uh, New Jersey and Philadelphia. Florida's only got uh, 77 games played. Uh, Philly and New Jersey both have 90, uh, 79 each. And uh, Florida has 86 points, so they're six points back on New Jersey with just two games in hand. It's just not looking good for them. I'd... And what makes it worse is you look at their last 10, 5-4-1 and one as compared to, like, I mean, it's hard because you got to see what the rest of the schedule looks like, too. But Well, a team that's really been playing spoiler down the stretch here is uh, Ottawa. You know, and um, you can't lose against one of the bottom teams in the league when you're uh, trying to squeak into the playoffs like Florida is. And Florida oh, yeah. did lose to uh, Ottawa last week. So um, you really I, – I think Florida's out. I don't know about you. Oh no! I, I, I totally safe to say that. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. It just depends whether uh, New Jersey or Philadelphia is going to get that. Um, it just depends who's going to be in that wild card spot because you could still see Pittsburgh slide down there. You can still see Columbus slide down there because if you look at the Metro here, uh, um, you've got Pittsburgh at ninety six, Columbus at ninety four points. That is, and then. Um, you got Philly at ninety four, and you got New Jersey at ninety three. So you could easily see those four teams swapping places between being in the metro itself and getting those wild card slots if pittsburgh fell down to uh the wild card you know they'd just be the eight seed from hell they really would be and, oh yeah um if they ended up uh facing either boston or tampa bay in the first round um that just would not be good for them but uh it's something interesting that could happen is uh philly and pittsburgh facing each other in the first round you know um cross-state rivalry that'd be uh real interesting 
I yeah, I, I always love CrossFit for whatever reason. I'm pretty sure I we could we, we can talk a little bit more about that once we move over oh, yeah, to we, the once we go over to the West. <laughs> which I think might be a good time. Yeah. Let's uh let's go over to the West. We've kind of covered the East. The the basically the playoff picture in the East looks pretty much set. We're just finding out over the last couple of games here where the teams are gonna seed. And the yeah, the West is very interesting. Of course, right now Nashville's the one leading the entire charge. Um, there. Well, let's just talk about Nashville and Winnipeg really quick. Because if you remember earlier, I was saying that there's basically four teams with a realistic chance of winning the cup, and uh, the other two teams that are coming out of the East. I already said uh, Tampa Bay and Boston. Um, the the two teams coming out of the West are going to be uh, Nashville and Winnipeg that are just uh, the juggernauts coming out of that conference, especially Nashville. I think that's the team to beat, absolutely. If you just look at their roster, there's just so many guys contributing. They're so deep. Um, best blue line in the league, as everyone knows. Um, they're going to be a real tough opponent for, for anyone. I mean, their backup goaltender gave me a headache on Thursday. Uh, UC Soros. Like, oh, my God. Um, but yeah, I mean the the Western Conference is very interesting. For the most part, the Central, um, it's pretty much, I'd say, locked up, unless Minnesota drops down. I don't really s- they could. They could, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, because they got a game in hand over uh, Colorado here. Colorado's got ninety three points and, in uh, seventy nine games, and then uh, Minnesota's got ninety six and seventy eight. So, um, and tonight Colorado is playing Los Angeles. Yeah, I think Minnesota should clinch a playoff spot tonight, right? If uh, LA beats Colorado, yeah, if LA beats Colorado, Minnesota clinches. And I think, um, and very much likely if LA beats Colorado, and uh, I believe it's Washington who's playing St. Louis today, and then. And then Washington beats St. Louis, then San Jose clinches a spot. Yeah, so let's talk about the two teams that are in the hunt in the West right now. The only uh, two teams that haven't been eliminated that are outside of the playoff picture right now are uh, St. Louis and Dallas. I think Dallas is pretty much out for all uh, practical intents and purposes. You know, barring a miracle, it's kind of the same situation that Florida is dealing with over in uh, in the East. But um, St. Louis is still very much in it. That's why the Paul Statsny trade was so surprising when they sent him over to Winnipeg. You know, they were right in the thick of the playoff race. You know, they were uh, first in the Central back in, like, December and, like, November. And uh, that's just what I didn't understand about them selling one of their best assets at the deadline. You know, they were a team – they are a team still that's right in the mix of things. And um, that just didn't make sense. I don't know about you. I don't know, because, like, yeah, um, because I think the interesting thing is, like, St. Louis, at least to me, has had the the most roller coaster of a season. Absolutely, I could see like I would say at the, in the first like third, they looked like they were gonna win the Central at one point. Oh, they um, did. And then all of a sudden, they start like going all the way down, and I'm like, what is? I don't understand. Um, they're not getting enough out of their big guys, though. That's the thing. Like, let's see what Vladimir Tarasenko has on the year, you know, goals-wise. The perennial contender for uh, the Rocket Richard on uh, St. Louis's roster. And um, I think he's in the 30s. I don't think he's even cracked 40 this year, you know. And if you're St. Louis and you want to make the playoffs, you have to have your best uh, player producing for you night in and night out. 
and uh, they haven't gotten that out of uh, Tarasenko this year. Absolutely. And um, one thing I I, I want to point out though is Colorado's spot in here. Um, yeah. Is let's talk about a turnaround. Oh, absolutely. No, really quick, though, with uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. He's only got 31 goals in 76 games compared to 39 and 82 last year and 40 and 80 last year and the year before that. So um, St. Louis has seen their offensive production drop off as a direct result of Tarasenko kind of having an offseason. It's hard to believe that 31 goals is uh, considered a drop off for a guy like Tarasenko, but that really speaks to the skill of someone like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Colorado, by yeah. all means. Yeah, I mean, talk about a turnaround. There. I mean, what they were absolutely like the worst team. Yeah, like forty-six points last year. They were the worst team by a mile yeah. last season, by a country mile. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you got this kid Nathan McKinnon. That's like. Yeah, he had a real bad season last year. You know, number one overall pick out of uh, Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia, uh, same hometown as Sidney Crosby. And um, I remember last year they were talking on uh, the radio that he went like something like 14 games without a goal last year. And I know yeah. he's not a goal scorer, but that's still unacceptable from a uh, a guy of uh, Nathan McKinnon's skill level. But this year he's really led the way for their uh, their roster. He's, uh, in my opinion, the front runner for the Hart Trophy. For a league MVP this year, he's got like he's got 1.36 points per game. Last time I looked, um, I'm not a big advanced stats guy, but it's hard to ignore um, guys when they're when they're producing on that level and they're carrying their team on that level. Taylor Hall's been kind of a similar story mm-hmm. for uh, New Jersey, also, but uh, McKinnon is still a bit ahead in my book. I don't know about you. No, I can I, I can agree with you on that. I mean, with the 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 level of play that he's been playing, um, and I, at least for me, I guess I've got a chance to pay attention more because, much like you said, you pay attention to a lot of the Eastern Conference hockey. I do. I'm all in on Western Conference hockey, mainly well, because. Also makes the show good, you know. You got one guy that pays attention to the East. You got one guy that really pays attention to the West. Absolutely, and um, I think what's interesting though is the. The fact that let's assume that uh, the standings stand as it is right now, and that's yeah. our, and that's our playoff picture in the West. It's pretty much going to be, it's going to go complete. It's going to go completely by the division. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas Colorado is going to head over to Nashville, and that'll be a tough series. Los Angeles will be playing Vegas. Um, or I mean, like things can still switch up is where they can swap with Anaheim. Now, if I was Nashville and Vegas in this scenario that you're talking about here, which easily could hold how you're saying, you know, where Nashville plays Colorado in the first round and then Los Angeles plays Vegas in the the first round also, um, I'd be really nervous if I was uh, the Golden Knights and the Predators because Nashville and Colorado have been very competitive in all the games they've played this year. I remember uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think it went to like overtime, when uh, Nashville and Colorado played each other, and then uh, L.A. beat uh, Vegas on back-to-back home-and-home games, you know. So um, I know you can't can't always take the regular season as the um, 
the measuring point, you know, for what's going to happen in the playoffs, but it's worth something. It's the, it's what we have to compare right now. It can give you at least somewhat of a taste based off a certain player's skill level. Right. So that's the, the that's the best you can get. Cause and just comparing the rosters head to head, how they play against each other. Yeah. But what I love, what I really love about this Western Conference picture is there's a pretty, essentially a 100% guarantee that San Jose is going to have a cross-state rivalry series with Los Angeles or Anaheim. Oh, no, there is a 100% guarantee. No one else is getting into that third, uh, that, that third slot in the Pacific, and San Jose is likely going to finish second in the Pacific also. So um, that's probably what you are going to see. Um, and it'll be, it'll be good for you guys. You know, you'll, you'll keep those uh, cross-state rivalries going. Personally... I like the idea of a uh, L.A. San Jose series better Absolutely. than a uh, Anaheim San Jose series, but either would be good. I, I, there's there's a lot more history with the L.A. San Jose. Plus, I think they match up better. They do. Um, I think I, I always, uh, as much as I hate seeing Drew Doughty, I mean he's he's still a good player, and he's like he's he does he does a lot for the Kings, and uh, and like I wanted to, I just always love the. Uh, this, the the back and forth banter that you see between these two teams, like the fan bases and the players, um, I mean the, I I I don't know how else to put. It. I mean it's, well I think uh, L A versus uh, San Francisco, which you know San Jose, the Bay Area, it's all grouped together. Yeah, it's and um, it's one of the great city three great city city rivalries in the country, in my opinion. You know the three, in my opinion, are. New York, Boston, mm-hmm. Detroit, Chicago, and uh, L.A., San Francisco. You could probably group uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Philadelphia in there, too. As a fourth. As a fourth. But um, I know it's like that, you know, as a Detroit sports fan, whenever a Detroit sports team plays a, uh, a Chicago sports team in any playoff series, it's really intense. You know, it's, ju- it's, a, it's a similar atmosphere to what you would get in a New York, Boston series, you know, an L.A., San Francisco series. Uh, it'll be really good. I'd really love to see that first-round matchup between those two. A lot of bad blood. Now, here's the funny thing: is in middle the middle of this month, I think around like the month, like around like the 21st, 22nd. I have a flight headed towards Los Angeles. Oh, do you? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's going to be no surprise. I'm going to be carrying my Sharks jersey with me. Oh, you bet. Um, go to go to one of the sports bars. I'll take I'll take a lot of crap from the fans. I don't care. I'll I'll I'll, I'll maybe even shit talk back to them if I want to. Like, yeah, you gotta, you know. Um, and then Winnipeg, Minnesota is gonna be interesting. You know, Manitoba versus Minnesota. That's that's a nice little regional rivalry. Also, it doesn't get oh, yeah. the uh, notoriety that um, some of the uh, rivalries that I mentioned before do, but. Um, That'll be a great, wonderful series also. I still think Winnipeg is going to win that series. I know Minnesota is not going to be a pushover in that um, in that first-round matchup between Winnipeg and Minnesota, which is what it's looking like today. But um, Winnipeg's going to come out on top. I bet you that's like a six-game series. That's what a lot of them are, you know? Oh, yeah. I Yeah, most of these are going to be six-game series. Um, I could see a couple, maybe a couple of them going to seven. I think but. whoever San Jose plays is going to go to seven because Anaheim's a really good team. They just had a bad year, you know, injury-wise, especially in the beginning of the year. I don't know if you remember. Mm-hmm. But um, 
they're a much better team than their uh, place in the standings indicate. I mean, like, I, I still think San Jose is very lucky to get where they are right now. Oh, in yeah. Second place. I mean, I, I'd say most of that thanks can, can go to Evander Kane. Oh, yeah. Um, the, I said arguably the best pickup San Jose has made in the last couple of years. Oh, that's been the um, best pickup of the whole trade deadline this year was uh, Evander Kane to San Jose. And it was and a it really was, good deal, too, in terms of the conditional picks yeah, and everything like that. Yes, two conditional picks. I think one was, what, a second? Yeah, so right now, so if Evander Kane does not re-sign with San Jose, then that, then uh, Buffalo gives then Buffalo gets a second rounder from San Jose. But if Evander Kane re-signs with San Jose, then it becomes a first rounder, which is just a, it's a great deal. You know, it makes sense. You know, if, uh, if he becomes a roster player for the next few years to come for San Jose, then Buffalo gets a first round pick. But if he's just a deadline acquisition, second round pick. And then plus Danny O'Regan. Yeah. A who, I mean, it was exciting to see him. I saw him for one of the, for one Sharks game when he was called up from the Barracuda. And he got a goal, but that's literally the extent of what he got. Um, and Daniel Reagan was like, he's like what, 26, 27 he's now? He's pretty much he's, stagnated into a uh, AHL top six forward role. He's yeah, not, that guy's not making it to the league permanently, and, more than likely. And that's what makes the acquisition so cheap for these Sharks. Like, you just, like it was like, a, it was the best deal out there. I like, it was shocking. Well, that deal is really going to help Rochester in their push for the Calder Cup. They've already clinched a spot. We'll talk more about the AHL in a bit here. But, um, no, it was a great deal for the Sharks. Sharks definitely came out on top. I think that uh, Detroit made a really good deal with Vegas, shipping uh, Tatar out there, you know, for a uh, 2018 first-rounder, 2019 second-rounder, and 2020 third-rounder. Um, excellent return for the Red Wings, obviously. Um, I'm not sure if Tatar was actually worth that much, but um, – I guess only time will tell. You have to you have to see what he does for Vegas in the playoffs. You know, they've already clinched. They've won their division in their first season. Let's just talk about that for a second. Um, what a unusually good, just fantastic first season that Vegas has had. Clinching the division in their inaugural year. 107 points as we stand today on Monday, April 2nd. Oh, yeah. Like, it's phenomenal. Phenomenal. And uh, I was watching uh, on TSN on Instagram the other day, and they were saying that Vegas was the first team in the modern era of uh, the four major league uh, profession, the four major leagues in North America, to win their division in their inaugural season. That's first one ever talk in about the modern his, era. Talk about historic. It's... Historic. I mean, I think it happened back in like 1919 or 1920 with like Ottawa or like the Hamilton Tigers making it and winning their division, but. Um, Oh, also, right after uh, the NHL expanded um, from 6 to 12 teams, because back when the NHL expanded, they put all the original six teams in one division, and they put the... Um, expansion six. In the expansion six in the other. So, obviously, one of those expansion teams won their division that year. But um, Vegas doing what they've done, how they've done it, is just a... Um, it's a first-time incredible achievement. Absolutely. Um I'd say let's let's do this real quick before we move on to the AHL. Yeah. Is um, instead of just saying like a Stanley Cup Finals matchup, how about let's just right now have a um, a pre picks for the uh, Western 
and Eastern Conference Finals, like those matchups. All right, so for the uh, Western Conference Final, I'm going to go Nashville against um, San Jose. I, yep, I was exactly going to say that. I mean, I, I mean, when I was when I saw the Nashville San Jose game on Thursday, I was like, this right here is a Western Conference Final style game. Like it's oh, it is. I mean, if you saw that, that I, I, I felt that I, I felt the playoff presence. And I'm predicting like, a uh, second round exit for Vegas. You know, I think teams have really started to figure them out finally down the stretch here. I know Vegas was uh, incredible for the first part of the season, but they're on it. They were on a bit of a skid lately. They've kind of come out of it with a uh, two game win streak that they're on right now. They're uh, five, three and two in their last 10. So Vegas has kind of fallen back to earth right now mm-hmm. in terms of how they're playing. And, um, you know, I just don't think that an expansion team like them has what it takes to make it to uh, the Western Conference Finals in their first year. They easily could do it. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. But I'm going to say that uh, San Jose beats Vegas in the second round, uh, goes on to play Nashville in the Western Conference Finals, and then uh, Nashville wins and goes to the uh, Stanley Cup Final. Yeah. I don't know about you. Um, of course, yeah. I mean, I'd... I'd, I'd definitely like to see San Jose get past Nashville, but it's probably not going to happen. Um, no, but the fact that, the but I, I mean, the fact that I, at least we both have them going to the Western Conference Finals, at least for me, I, I consider that one as compared to like, like considering how how bad they were early in the beginning of the season. Oh yeah. So that's yeah. I mean, I, I can completely agree with you on that one. You know, and. Um... That's the thing about the NHL playoffs, too, that you got to remember for uh, any of our listeners is that none of these series in the first round or the second round are throwaway series. You know, this isn't the NBA where you just know that a couple of teams are pretty much penciled in for the conference finals and penciled in for the uh, NBA uh, championship. Um, All these teams are good. All of them have a chance of making it to the cup final. Just look at what Nashville did last year. Look at what L.A. did in 2012. So if you're a fan of any of the teams that are uh, in playoff spots right now, you know, don't lose hope, don't lose faith. But that's just what we think as guys that watch uh, the league a lot, watch the game a lot, is going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Now, over in the East, um, this is going to be a very interesting side side of the uh, playoffs. What do you think about that one? Um, I think whoever comes out of the Atlantic is going to represent the East in the um, Stanley Cup final, and I think that's going to be either uh, Boston or Tampa Bay. I think Toronto is mm-hmm. going to exit for the second consecutive year in the first round. I know that as as Canada's team, you know, the most popular team in the sport, that a lot of fans, a lot of media outlets are saying, oh, they're going to go on deep runs, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. I just don't see it. You know, given the shape of their uh, blue line, I just don't think that that's going to be going to cut it when they actually do get in and they actually do go to um, the postseason. But um, the Metro is more interesting. Give me your thoughts on the Metro really quick, quick Rob, and then I'll give you mine. See, the way I see this is, of course, we're going to see a Washington-Pittsburgh second round again. Yeah, um, I think so, too. Now, the question is, will Alex Ovechkin finally beat Sidney Crosby in a playoff series. I think this year will be the year. Yes. I'll tell you why. Matt Murray. Pittsburgh doesn't have that extra insurance of having uh, Marc-Andre Fleury on the bench. 
I don't know if you remember, but uh, Mark Andre Fleury started every game for the Pittsburgh's lot for Pittsburgh last year in the playoffs. Um, prior to like halfway through the Eastern Conference Final Series against Ottawa, and um, I'm just not confident in Matt Murray's ability this year to actually carry Pittsburgh all the way through, all the way to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Even you know, I think that Washington's finally going to get it. They're finally going to get the job done. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know about you. Washington's been playing great lately. You know, they're eight two and zero in their last ten. They've been quietly one of the hottest teams in the league for mm-hmm. uh, a little bit now and um this will be finally the year where they make it to the eastern conference final but unfortunately as much as i want alex ovechkin to win his cup get his ring um i think that whoever comes out of the atlantic is going to beat them if it's boston they have a better chance if it's tampa they um if it's i i personally have tampa bay going going through going so. through yeah, me too. If Tampa Bay makes it there, I think Washington's chances are looking pretty grim. But if they have, uh, if they're playing Boston, that's a much better matchup for uh, Washington, just because Boston's blue line is so much weaker, and and Washington is one of the best offensive teams in the league. So um, if they can play Boston, Washington's got a better chance of making that uh, Stanley Cup Finals appearance. But if they play uh, Tampa Bay, I don't think it's, I don't see it happening. Absolutely. I, I can completely agree with you on that one. So with that said, let's go ahead and move over to the AHL. Um, the AHL. Um, as we already said, uh, the Tucson Roadrunners are playoff bound. And if we take a look at the uh, the rest of the matchups here, the, um, what's interesting right here. Let's look at the uh, standing so we can see. Who's clinched and who hasn't? This one right here, this we have the, the playoff primer can tell you, but it's very small. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah, they're highlighted. Okay. Um, yeah. And so the entire, I would, I would say, of course, starting with a theme of starting with the uh, Eastern Conference, something I've noticed right now looking at the bat is the entire North Division is already It's set been like stone. that for a couple of weeks, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, that tells you something about the North Division being top-loaded. You know, um, I'll I'll be the first one to admit that we don't know as much about the Eastern Conference and the uh, the AHL because AHL is basically two leagues in one. You know, there's not much interconference play. There's not much you know cross-country travel during the regular season, so we don't really see those um, Eastern Conference teams playing here in Tucson, but. Uh, yeah, you know, I'd have to agree. I think that personally, I think that um, Rochester is one of the better teams, the uh, third seed right now in the uh, North Division for uh, coming out of the uh, Eastern Conference right. in, the, um, in, in the Calder Cup playoffs just because of how many great prospects you have in this Buffalo Sabres organization that is Buffalo's minor league club, that is their minor league squad. Uh, you can never count Syracuse out. You know, Tampa Bay is one of the best organizations in the league. That's who's just ahead of them. And then you got the Toronto Marlies uh, up in first place in uh, in the north. Um, but uh, what what do you think of the east? Um, I mean, the Marlies have definitely, I mean, I mean, like, I'm looking at their points percentage right now, 729. I mean, that's right now the highest in the league. And... 
Of course, I haven't got a chance to see any actual highlights from them. Because, of course, as you said, um, since AHL hockey isn't televised, we don't get a chance to see the East that much. See it. I'm like, unless we choose to get AHL live all access, but that's... It's so hard to watch all the games because, you know, we're always at the rink. We're always covering the Roadrunners. We're always paying attention to what the Roadrunners do. So um, we'll definitely be much more informed and much uh, better equipped to tell you guys about the West. Absolutely. Um, I should say before we could go ahead and do that, I would say a couple of things to take a look at is right now in the Atlantic Division, there's only, of course, one spot clinched. And that's the uh, Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Uh, Philadelphia's team. Yeah, Philadelphia's team. And the the rest is looking. So you got the um, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins are close to that second spot alongside the Providence Bruins and the Charlotte Checkers. That's uh, that's pretty interesting. For the most part, that seems that's what it's exactly what's going to be the case where all of their magic numbers are three, four, and six, respectively. Well, something you got to take into account is I was uh, talking about it, and uh, I wrote an article a uh, couple weeks back about why I think that the Roadrunners are one of the best teams in the league and why I think they're among the leading Calder Cup contenders for this year. And it was because their major league club, you know, the Arizona Coyotes are not making the playoffs, and they are going to send their guys down from the major league squad quicker. So teams like Toronto... Syracuse and um, teams like Toronto, Syracuse, uh, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, and Lehigh Valley are not going to get that support from their major league clubs quicker because all those teams are going to have their major league clubs also making the NHL playoffs. Here's an interesting thing, though. I mean, I looked looked it up. I'm not sure. I mean, you you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but uh, I looked at the the, uh, Calder Cup eligibility um, rules and and whatnot, right. and it said that the uh, in order to be eligible for the Calder Cup playoffs, you must be on the AHL roster by the trade deadline. There's an exception, um, though. That is true, but there is an exception. Go, go ahead and explain. Okay, so the exception is in the NHL CBA, they allow the Major League squad to designate four players on their roster eligible for the Calder Cup playoffs. And uh, every team basically fills out that form at the trade deadline, and then they'll send those guys out that they gave eligibility to um, down at the end of the regular season whenever that ends, you know, whether that team gets eliminated in the playoffs or is done um, before. So, yeah, so generally those are done by those uh, those so-called paper transactions, right? Right. Um, If I'm not mistaken, I looked at the paper transactions at the trade deadline. Arizona only made one. Who'd they uh, give eligibility to? You're not going to like this one. It's Laurent Delphin. That's it? Yeah. They didn't give, like, Keller? They didn't Keller give Chikorin? Did, Keller wasn't on a paper transaction, and not, yeah, neither was Fisher. Ooh. All right. Uh, I think, what, I, I think um, what's interesting, though, is um, what that John Chica's main intent during the trade deadline was to bolster the Roadrunners roster. And in doing so, he got Trevor Murphy and Carter Camper. Who've been great for the Roadrunners, especially Camper. Camper is, he's got like what, like at least a point, if that, like in every game and in every home game, we've probably seen him play. Oh, yeah, no, he's um, 
the Roadrunner's second line, which is uh, Kempe, Camper, and uh, Sislo, has been really carrying the Roadrunners as of late because that great rookie line of uh, Strom, uh, Kraus, and Merkley has not uh, has either not been fully in, intact lately for one reason or another, whether that was injury or a guy up on the major league squad, or they just haven't been producing. And the guys that have really picked up the slack for that first line in terms of offensive production is that second line that we're, I'm talking about here. Yeah. Um, I'd say actually something I just thought of, one thing we should note is, and that's why, um, for those who are listening, is why I told Eric that he's not going to like that. It was Laurent Dauphin that was That's just is. Laurent Dauphin. I don't know why you wouldn't give um, uh, more of your guys the NHL playoff experience. but What makes it worse is uh, John Chica said last week that Laurent Dauphin will be out for the remainder of the season with his lower body injury. Um, <laughs> and I think there is one of the problems is, you know, he got when he got called up um, on and like right after right, called back up right after the trade deadline. And I was like, you know what? I've, I have a feeling something bad's going to happen. Um, and one week later, gets hurt. He gets hurt. Nick Merkley's um, out for the season, too, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, Nick Merkley is also out for the rest of the season. And we actually saw that injury because that was over in the uh, series against San Jose, the Barracuda. And that was uh, the one game I didn't go to, right? That he got hurt in. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah you weren't at that game. Uh, it was, um, uh, it, it was uh, me and Ezra. And we were going and we, we, we were looking at it and was like, oh, that's not, that's not look good. He got stretchered off, didn't he? Um, he didn't get stretchered off, but they had, he got carried off. Like they, uh, they like, like got both, like putting both, like arms around shoulders. That's and, not good. He didn't leave um, under his own power. Not at all. And you could see the pain. Like you could see, like he was reaching for his, for his, uh, lower, um, lower body, I think towards the knee area. And there was, um, he's got a history of knee injuries, though. That's the thing with Nick Merkley that you got to remember. Yeah, that's the. I mean, and he had an upper body injury also earlier this season. Yeah, too. the uh, Coyotes front office isn't great at specifying what exactly the injuries are. I don't understand why they're not. But According they are. to John Chica, it's um, he, he he believes injuries are personal, so he doesn't want to he doesn't want to give out that information. All right. Um, I'm mean, like, okay, I take that it. It makes but, our jobs harder. Yeah, absolutely, because it. I I I I don't know the rest of the reasoning, but that's that's the extent of what I know. Um, it's all. It probably also is, uh, you know, not letting the opposition know what a guy's injury is, so they don't know what to target. If a guy like Nick Merkley or Laurent Duffan does come back and does start playing again. You know, that's probably the bigger reason, but that's just mm-hmm. what he's using as his explanation, you know, just for official purposes, you know? Right. Um, anyways, I'd say I'd take a look more at, 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 at the West. One thing I've noticed that's very interesting is the Manitoba Moose have lost their last, I believe, seven games straight. Um, and they just completely lost their first place spot in the Western Conference. Yeah, Tucson, Chicago took over. Actually, Tucson is now in the first in the, in the conference. And um, Chicago is, of course, that second spot right behind at the 6-2-3 points percentage. But so yeah, but um, Chicago, I, I, from what I remember, was a very tough team. Is They they, they matched up. They, their matchup against Tucson was Oh, it was brutal. Quite it was brutal. tough. It's the way that they played. I think you. I, I'm pretty sure you got a chance to analyze that. 
quite well. In terms oh yeah, of- no. If you're uh, if you're curious about how uh, Tucson matched up against Chicago, just look back at my articles that I wrote about them. They really had Tucson's number in terms of um, how their coaching staff uh, made adjustments to uh, to play against the Roadrunners. You know, the Roadrunners were also playing really weird in those games against Chicago. Like they were doing stuff like um, playing dump and chase hockey most of uh, the time when they were on the power play, which didn't make much sense, but they were doing it. Um, and so, yeah, if you get a, if you get a chance and you want to see how uh, Tucson matches up against Chicago, I highly recommend going back to those. So the rest of the Central Division, of course, first is Chicago, second is Manitoba. You had the Grand Rapids Griffins, who Tucson is playing this, this weekend, weekend yeah. and the Rockford Icehogs. So Chicago. There you go. Um, Chicago's team. That's yeah. what I meant by that. Yeah, so that's that, that's a pretty interesting uh, group. Group. I know Tucson has played all of them except for Rockford. No, they have. They, they Man- didn't. They didn't play Manitoba this season. They didn't play Manitoba or Rockford this season. I don't think. I have a feeling that part of me thinks they did for some reason. Possibly on the road, but. In the AHL, yeah. if you play someone on the road, you're going to play them at home. And I know for a fact that the Roadrunners did not play Rockford at home at all this year. So um, I don't think that they have played Rockford this season yet. Or, they, or they're or they going to. Yeah, I'd have to check again on that. But uh, yeah. yeah, but definitely I, I know for sure they did not play Manitoba this season. Oh, for sure. They played um, him last year. That's when Craig Cunningham's uh, season-ending or career-ending heart injury happened prior to the game that was uh that was tragic i was uh there for that that season that was uh real tough but um that's the thing that you got to remember about this roadrunner squad this year is that it's not all smoke and mirrors like it was last season i remember last season when i was writing uh articles on the roadrunners because they the roadrunners were first in the pacific at the all-star break last year just like they were first in the pacific at the all-star break this year and uh they were getting outshot like 40 to 25 every single night. You know, they were just uh, pulling off wins by pure luck. Mm -hmm. You know, they would win mostly one goal games. They would rarely win by, uh, you know, like a two goal margin or anything like that. It was just, um, they were playing, their place in the standings showed them as a much better team than they were. And then obviously everything came crashing down when the goaltending and uh, the special teams uh, faltered towards the end of the season last year, and that's why they didn't make it. That's why they finished uh, 7 out of 8 in the Pacific last season. But this year they're not. They've already clinched, and they're probably going to get that first seed in the Pacific this year. Absolutely. And I I, I really like, over, like in general, what Tucson has done this year. Uh, I think a lot of, a lot of it can you, – you can credit their their new head coach, Mike Van Ryan. Oh, he's been great. Um, he has been fantastic, um, both as a coach and also – um, being transparent at the uh, press conferences. Oh, you bet. Um, he 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 says it like it is. He he he's not afraid to really let you know what he really believes went wrong and what he thought was good. Um, I think that's you know, it makes our job easier. Oh yeah. Um, so we can actually figure out what's going on. It gives us something to use, uh, even if you don't directly quote what the uh, coach or the players say in the post game interviews. Um. It definitely helps you write the articles in the sense that you have an idea of the type of things that the coaching staff didn't like, so you know what to talk about yep. in terms of what went wrong, what went right. You have a better idea of it, at least. 
and uh, that's helped a lot this year. The road, the whole uh, attitude around the Tucson Roadrunners organization has been totally different this season. You know, um, no disrespect to uh, Mark Lamb, the uh, former head coach of the Roadrunners, but Mike Van Ryn's really uh, taken this uh, squad and turned it around. Admittedly, Mike Van Ryn has had a lot more, um, a lot better players at his disposal. Mm. You know, oh, uh, oh, Mark yeah. Lamb never had guys like Nick Merkley, Lawson Krauss, or Dylan Strom on the rosters. But um, you really have to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff for how great the Roadrunners have been this season. Oh, absolutely. I've, uh, I'm probably going to talk a little bit more about that in an, in an article later on. But because um, I actually think I might do like a, like a grading article once they're done with the entire season. Like, oh, yeah. Like grading like by like position forwards. Or even individual um, players. Yeah, individual you can give players. Them, you can give them too. grades, too. Or, like, certain lines or whatever. Um, anyways, though, um, I guess say because since all, since what we know mostly, since we do cover the Roadrunners, it's just got to keep focusing on their Let's cult. focus on the Pacific a little bit more because it's yeah. like 70% of the games that the Roadrunners play in a given season are against uh, Pacific Division teams. So as the standings stand right now, the Tucson Roadrunners are the only team in the Pacific Division to have clinched a spot. Second place is the Ontario Reign, followed by the San Diego Goals and the Texas Stars. Um, San Diego and Ontario are two really tough teams. They're tough teams, and um, I'd say what's interesting is because we see them play each other so much, uh, you either see a really good game of Tucson against one of these teams or a really bad game. Well, that's the mark of a young team. The Roadrunners are a very young team. It's the uh, kids that lead the way. It's the kids that drive the bus in Tucson. And um, it's not really the case on either Ontario or San Diego's roster. So um, that's definitely something to watch for in the playoffs. You know, veterans are a lot more composed in their game. They're a lot less nervous. Um, so that's one thing that worries me about the Roadrunners going forward. I don't know about you, but... I'd say... One thing that helps is playing Texas likely in the first round. And we've played um, very well against Texas. They played very season. well against Texas. So I could, I mean, I wouldn't say guarantee, but I could say that Roadrunners have a good shot at making it past them. Well, the thing that you got to remember, too, about the first round in the uh, the AHL Calder Cup playoffs is that uh, it's a three game best of five best. series mm-hmm. in the first round. What's interesting is what I noticed is there really is no format when it comes to like home and away i mean of course the higher seed gets the home advantage but there's no like um let's say for the five game series not like two two one or like two one two or whatever like whatever it might be right um where it's essentially it, it like what it is is like I, i've seen like a, a three two got like one 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 like oh really like that was uh, last year's Ontario Reign San Diego goals. It I assumed a... that it was like the MLB. You know, we didn't see Calder Cup playoff hockey last year in Tucson, so we're not going to know as much about the playoff format in uh, the AHL because of that. But um... I mean, personally for me, um, at the time, since I, I wanted the team to follow, and I, you know, I chose to follow the San Jose Barracuda for obvious reasons. Right. Um, and, yeah, they, it was a different format i know the barracuda had like a 3-2 series and then um yeah the rain and the goals went one 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 i assumed it'd be like the mlb you know where you got 
two to one. So the first two games are at the higher seeds building, second two games at the lower seeds building, and then the final game is at the uh, higher seeds yeah. building. There, there, there really is no predetermined format. And I think the only exception is on the best of seven. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd say they have it set on the best of seven. It's two, three, two. It's well, actually, I've also seen the the other way too. So two two one the, one the one, two one. two the two two one one one, which is the NHL standard. Right. Um, right. I mean, personally, I'm a fan of that one because like it it it's makes a little more sense. But the travel's harder. Travel That's the thing is, you got to remember about the AHL. You need these teams don't have a ton of money. And I think what where you will see the two two one 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 or for the closer games. Yeah. So if San Diego uh, and on in Ontario playing each other. Well. They were likely a first round, so you're going to probably see in like right. the first round, you're going to see the 1 1 1 1 again. Um, and if, like, let's say it's Tucson versus Ontario, Tucson versus San Diego in the second round, you're probably going to see the 2 2 1 1 1. Yeah. Um, that's probably what you'll see because it's, uh, it's not a crazy distance between those cities, especially if we play San Diego. Um, and it's just a simple bus ride on the, on the I 8. Yeah. Um, Speaking of which, the uh, the Border Cup series is actually finishing up in terms of the regular season side of it. Yeah, next week. neither team has clinched it, so we're gonna we're gonna see who uh, wins that rivalry trophy. You know, as Mike Van Ryn said in one of the post game interviews, it's more the uh, front office that's trying to create that rivalry for the Roadrunners. But you know, it's good for the fans; it keeps people interested. The thing that you got to remember about the AHL AHL also is that. The greatest emphasis is on player development, not on winning games. And that's and that's what the A. I mean, if you look at the AHL's website, that's literally what they're focused on too. If oh you look yeah. At, if you look in their rule book, it says the AHL is a developmental league. So there, we do have rules on which player, what kind of player is eligible. You to only be. have a certain number of veteran players on your uh, roster playing on a given night. You need to have a certain number of rookies and like young players playing on there. And I think what the only exceptions have been like conditioning, like if like a veteran conditioning, like coming just coming back from like a like a half season injury, or. Um, you have, of course, amateur and professional tryouts, ATOs and PTOs. Yeah. Um, but other than that, there's not really much else. Um, that... No, it's really interesting. One of uh, the most, if you're in the press box at an AHL game, you'll get to see some very high caliber NHL officials sitting there in the press box with you. And I won't say, you know, just out of um, out of respect to the individual I was talking to, who I was talking to, but I remember it was a uh, a GM in the NHL. You know, very notable. If I said the name, you guys would know who he was. Mm-hmm. You'd, you'd uh, know all about him. And uh, I I want to work in the front office someday of a team. So uh, I introduced myself. I said, oh, hi, my name's Eric Clock. I want to kind of do the same thing that you were doing. And kind of just to get the conversation going, I was like, oh, I'm sorry your boys lost out there tonight because they lost 4-1 to one last season against the Roadrunners, this team that was visiting. He's like, oh, I don't really care about the about the result. He said, you know, it's good for these guys to win and learn how to win down here. But if none of these guys go onto my NHL squad and if none of these guys are capable of having an impact on my NHL squad, I don't really care if they're winning down here. And he used the example of back in the day that the uh, Yankees minor league club used to win the uh, minor league World Series all the time. And he said that they would just never produce players for the Yankees. And... um 
that you just got to remember that this league is all about player development. It's not about winning the games. It's about player development. And that doesn't mean that these games don't matter for the Calder Cup final. It doesn't. It's just, it's not so much about winning the trophy. It's about teaching these guys what it takes to win a trophy in a seven round, in a four round series um, playoff format. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the most important. That's the most important part is getting that playoff experience. Yeah. More than anything else, and I know, um, the Coyotes are definitely going to appreciate the fact that the Roadrunners are going to get that experience specifically, guys. And we know like, for a fact now, now that they've clinched. Yeah, like Dylan Strom, and Lawson Kraus. He had a like, great goal the other night against Ontario. I saw it on Instagram. Oh yeah. They reposted it. Um. It was all over the place on notable um, accounts like, you know, Pavel Barber's account, the great sick handling coach up in Canada. He post he reposted Lawson Krause's goal the other night. Yeah, I mean, you, you should have seen some of the other ones that uh, happened in that Iowa series. Yeah. Like, um, I think um, Carter Camper got one from the blue line. All right. Um, Michael Bunting got two in 40 seconds. Uh, he's one of Rachel's favorites, isn't he, eh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but you yeah, know, he's, uh, I, I, I used to see a lot of these players and I think, um, them getting the playoff experience and, uh, no, knowing that they're Coyotes prospects is very important for the Coyotes because they need, they need guys like oh, that. Oh yeah. They need playoff experience because, uh, no team, the Coyotes have not made the, uh, NHL playoffs since 2012, that one year that they went all the way to the Western conference finals. So for a lot of guys, this is going to be their first professional playoff experience. Um, and uh, Dylan Strom obviously is going to carry the team. I don't, I, I don't know if you agree with me there, but I mean, he's, he's he's their best player. He is by far their best player. I mean, I would I would argue Nick Merkley would be the other guy, but he's not going to be there. Going to be there. That's um, going to hurt Tucson a lot. Oh yeah, their best um, pure goal scorer is not going to be playing with them in the playoffs. So, um. It'll be interesting to see they how that plays out for the Roadrunners. Definitely got a, is a good calling on their defense to start stepping up as well because they can't produce as many points. They got to let less. Um, and well, they that, have that, that, I mean, Bianco. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a call on Capobianco, and Capobianco's got to be on his A game. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle Capobianco's been fantastic for the Roadrunners this year. You know, great two-way defenseman, good in his own zone, and uh, also knows how to drive the, the offense from behind on uh, the blue line, but... And from what I noticed is that I'm pretty sure you uh, um, you were also watching this. The AHL All-Star Classic is the roadrunners that were involved in it. Dylan Strom, Nick Merkley, and Kyle, Kyle Capabianco, like, they, like, stole the show at the Pacific. Oh, Division. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they're, the roadrunners have had a really special squad and a really special roster this year in terms of the quality of NHL prospects that have been on it. They've been... Just unbelievable to watch, unbelievable to cover this year. It's been absolutely fantastic. And I think the um, the craziest part, I'll say craziest because that's probably the best way to put it, is knowing that as members of the media, is we probably is, this probably is the last time we're going to cover this specific Roadrunners team because it's going to be very different heading into next year. Yeah, Strom um, will probably make the NHL roster next season. That's very likely. Um I mean, who knows about the rest of the prospects, depending on how Kyle well they Wood's play. still going to be down here for a while. I know a lot of people were talking about him making the uh, Coyotes at the beginning of this season, but the guy's got to work on his uh, skating and his edge work before he makes it up there. 
you know, um, it's just not quite there yet in terms of being able to uh, go toe to toe with NHL forwards night in and night out. But he's uh, he's a good one for the Roadrunners, and he'll be here for a little while, so that's good. So let's take a look at uh, in general. I'd probably let's say where we think Tucson stands in terms of where they're going to be in this playoffs. They'll make it past the first round. I don't see them losing to Texas or Stockton for that matter because Stockton still has a chance to grab that fourth slot. That's right. I think we can eliminate uh, San Antonio, uh, Bakersfield, and uh, San Jose from contention at this point. It's really just a question of who's going to be that four seed. I think Ontario and Texas in either order are going to be the second and third seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tucson would play the winner of that series in the playoffs, which, which is nice because the Roadrunners have a lot of experience playing those teams because they're the two closest teams geographically to the Roadrunners. Right. And um, the travel's not going to be as intense. You know, the wear and tear from the travel's not going to uh, be as much of a factor in that series. So that's going to be very good for them. Absolutely. It's going to be um, quite the playoffs um, for the Roadrunners. I'd say... If they can get past San Antonio or Ontario. You mean uh, San Diego or Ontario? Yes, I mean, yes, yeah, yeah. San Diego, I don't know. Yeah, San yeah, Diego or San Ontario. San Diego. San Diego, yeah, no, not San Antonio, that's for sure. Yeah, no, San Diego gone. or Ontario. Um, you're looking over, they're going to be playing the team from the Central. Um, and, you know, it's, it's hard to say which of those that we would like the best because we don't see the Central teams that often. But um, I, th- I think Grand Rapids, they've been playing really well against them all year. It might, I, they have not lost to Grand Rapids yet this season. That's right. Um, I think that that would probably be the ideal matchup. Um, I'd say, assuming the standing stay as it is, Grand Rapids can beat Manitoba, given Manitoba's uh, seven, eight-game eight slump, whatever it is now. Yeah. Um, I don't know what Chicago's scary. Chicago is scary. Um, I think yeah, that's what I would like to see is um, that's kind of interesting. What I just noticed is you got um, Rockford every, versus Chicago. Something to round. note too is that every single game the Roadrunners played against Chicago this year, they've played four games against them. All four of them have gone to OT. The Roadrunners has, won three straight, two one in OT, and then Chicago won the that, uh, the series finale one zero in OT. And the Roadrunners were the much better team in that game, but. Chicago is a big physical veteran team that knows how to grind out those close games, and that's that might cause problems for the Roadrunners in a potential Western Conference final matchup. Especially since it's that it would it would be potentially that deep into the playoffs. And it would be, yeah. You could have injuries. You could have all kinds of stuff factoring in. And then Ontario for uh, the potential second round matchup is uh, is going to be interesting too if that happens because Jack Campbell has really had the Roadrunners number in all the games that uh, their starting goaltender in all the games that Tucson has played against Ontario. And, um, like, the Roadrunners have consistently had a very hard time scoring on him. I remember in uh, the post-game interviews I said to Mike Van Ryn that uh, the Roadrunners scored seven goals against Ontario in that series, and six out of the seven were one-time goals. You know, so the only way that they were getting pucks past Jack Campbell were those um, – really good chances, you know, that are just hard for goaltenders to stop. But if uh, Ontario can really close up those passing lanes against Tucson in a, in a potential playoff series, that would be um, problematic for sure. And I think in general, if you look at if you look at it, they've got uh, 
um, their a lot, a lot of their guys. I know both San Diego and Ontario have both um, have their guys that from L.A. or Anaheim, depending on how long how far they go. Assuming they're how many paper transactions did they fill out? I think both of them were like three. Is Adrian Kempe going down for uh, L.A.? Um, that's something I'd have to find out. Um, yeah, I'd have to bring it up. Um, all right, we're pulling it up really here for you guys real quick. Roster moves around the National Hockey League. Oh, TSN, fantastic. The better Canadian version of ESPN. That's, uh, that's what TSN is. You like hockey and you don't like the other sports too much, you know, watch, um, Pay attention to TSN. There you go. Monday, February 26th. All right. You got most of the trades. Show me uh, the Laurent Dauphin transaction. Yeah, that's it. That's all they filled out. You see it? Yeah, I see it. There, yeah, I see it. There, there it is. Laurent Dauphin sent to the miners. Um, question is, where are the... Uh, rest of them just uh command f la and uh anaheim anaheim is san diego's team and la is uh um or anaheim is la's team okay so it looks like anaheim didn't fill it out you know they might have filled out the paper transactions and didn't post it because i have a hard time believing that um that none of those teams filled out uh, paper transactions because teams usually use at least like three or four of them, at least three out of the four. What's, what's interesting, though, is the fact that most of them were shown on uh, the actual deadline day. Deadline day. And you saw just Laurent Dauphin. I saw j just Laurent Dauphin. Huh. And I, of course, we'd also get in email for that i mean we sh on that. i don't know it's just a quite it's honestly a question of what we get told and what we don't we know that that's true um so it doesn't show in here the only one i know the only where what place where it did show is the uh the nhl website and i because i saw um all of them where it said it where it said assigned assigned to the miners, assigned to the miners, assigned to the miners, and then recalled on the same day. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Well, the Roadrunners are a deep roster. They got a lot of good guys, so you know the paper. The fact that they didn't use their paper transactions too heavily is um, not a huge deal. It's a little disappointing for us and for the Roadrunners for their uh, playoff chances, but. Um, We'll see how they do. You know, you know who I think should fill in for uh, Kempe on that top line now that Merkley's out is uh, Michael Bunting. Have like yes. a Strom Bunting Kraus line. That'll be good for the Roadrunners. And then you could also have, um, then you would obviously have Camper Sislo Kempe on line two. You'd have uh, Garland McInnes and uh, you could probably put Luke on line three in, uh, in the absence of Bunting. Right. And then um, line four, you could plug a lot of guys in there. And then uh, top pair is obviously going to be like Kyle Capobianco, Dyson Mayo, you know, then Joel Hanley, uh, Andrew Campbell for second pair, um, Kyle Wood, and then um, somebody else for pair three. And then obviously Aiden Hill is going to be the starting goaltender for uh, the Roadrunners throughout the playoffs. Um, 
Um, what I think is, I think, um, good though is the fact that they've got two other guys now, and of course they've got Mis- they've have they have Miska. Miska's great too. Um, on top of a guy that they just got from Harvard, um, Merrick Madsen. Okay. Who's um, when we saw he's uh, I would say about the same level as Miska. All right. Um, how old is he? He is. Let's go. Let's go bring it up right now. He's 22 years old. All right, so we'll see. Uh, he started. He's played zero games for the Roadrunners so far, but we'll see how he. That's interesting, though. He was uh, the captain of uh, Harvard as a goalie in his uh, senior season. Um, yeah, the Roadrunners are deep at goal. That's for sure. Um, if Miska or Hill can't get it done, then maybe Madsen will get the call. But I still can't imagine. Given what both Hill and Miska have done they, for the Roadrunners this year, that, been, that wouldn't they, be one and two. They've both been fantastic, um, so especially I think, Hill. I think. I know oh, that yeah. I know that Miska's record might be a little bit better, but Hill usually gets the tougher assignments. He gets the tougher games. Yeah, um, and, he's uh, had. He, I think Hill has how many shutouts? Like three, four. Yeah, something like that. Anyways, uh, we're nearing the end of what we sh- uh, of how much we can talk about today. Cause we yeah, you know, unfortunately, we can't talk a little more with you guys, but I think we uh, gave you a good idea of what the uh, NHL's push to the playoffs looks like going uh, down the stretch here for the last three, four games. And then we talked quite a bit about the AHL, what you guys can expect to see for uh, Tucson. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're going to do is next week, we're probably going to get back together. Is by next week, we'll know, for the NHL at least, we'll know every single exactly what the pay, uh, like playoff all the matchups like. because the playoffs will be starting that wednesday oh, god we're so close i'm so excited i know um, anyways playoff hockey is the best time of year nothing compares to it absolutely so thanks everybody for tuning in to the inside the glass podcast with rob liano and eric clock uh, be sure to download and subscribe on itunes and google play uh, we'll be providing you guys coverage throughout the uh tournaments hopefully um, depending on how long we can make this. Um, but yeah, be just... sure to check out uh, Rob's content on Arizona Desert Swarm and then uh, mine on All Sports Tucson for all kinds of other stuff about the uh, Tucson Roadrunners and Tucson hockey scene in general. So with that uh, plug in there also, thanks once again, everybody. Hey, you got to self-promote. Absolutely. So again, thanks everybody for listening to this episode. We'll see you guys next week.